We live in a world, don't we, today that is surrounded by information, right? The question uh, I want to pose to us at the beginning this morning is this. Even though we're surrounded by a great amount, mounds even, of information, the question is, are we grounded in wisdom? Information comes to us all the time. We turn on our computers, we read uh, the newspaper, we watch TV and our conversations with people at work or on the street. Information comes to us all the time. And part of the question for us this day and every day really is do we have the discernment to know what to do with the information that we're given and how do we live a life that honors and pleases God? Many of us, we just honored our graduates and thank God for education. We uh, move through both uh, educational institutions and the education that life can bring to us. And it fills our brains with knowledge and we are the better for it. But just because we're surrounded by information or filled with knowledge does not always mean that we are actually grounded in wisdom for living. Wisdom that guides our thinking and our choices and decisions. Wisdom that touches every aspect of our lives. Wisdom that flows out of our hands in the actions that we engage in and informs our feet to carry us to the places where we should be and God wants us to be. Wisdom is the application of real knowledge into real living in real time. It's the application of real knowledge into real living in real time. Wisdom, the word wisdom, occurs in the book of Proverbs 37 times and indicates an informed, skillful use of knowledge. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer writes this, Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. I want to read that again. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. This morning, as you've guessed, we're looking in the book of Proverbs and trying to hear again God's call for our lives to be engaged with His wisdom in all things. Let us pray. Living God, we hear the wind blowing around us, even in this building, whistling through the cracks and nooks of this space. And we're reminded in the Bible so often your spirits is described as the wind moving where you will go. And we pray this morning that your spirit would be free here in this place, that our hearts would be laid bare and open before you, that we would resist the temptation to hold ourselves away from You, but we would open ourselves to You because You are the God who loves and cares for us so deeply. Holy Spirit, come and blow in this place. Teach us now Your wisdom and help us to walk in it, we pray. In the name of Jesus together. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I was taught when I was young, if I want to find the book of Psalms, just open your Bible right in the middle. You'll most likely open to Psalms. And at the, after Psalms is over, you flip over and you'll find the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. God's Word says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. 
for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. What is wisdom for? I am so glad you asked. What is wisdom for? Wisdom is intended to be applied knowledge. Taking the things of our lives, the lessons learned, the education we've received... And we apply it into the regularity of our living, into our relationships of marriage, of parenting, of friendship, of co-worker relationships, people on the sidewalk in our neighborhoods or downtown. We apply knowledge into the regularities of our life, practical things. What I love about the Proverbs personally is that it's not just mere theological theory telling me what I should think about some obscure issue, but it brings home into the things that we all share in our daily living of how God would want us to live. It covers issues like recognizing and avoiding temptation in life. Wouldn't it be good if we could do that better? (laughs) It's about building strong marriages. There's advice for healthy use of words, neither entering into gossip nor uh, being one known as a non-truth teller. It encourages us toward the living a life of generosity, and on and on it goes. Things that are so important and so essential in just the normal stuff of life. The stuff that every life consists of. The practical realities of living. And it's interesting that in one of Jesus' main teachings in the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7 of Matthew, he describes the difference between two different people in the world. He describes, on the one hand, those who uh, are foolish builders, those who take their life and based on the world's philosophies and things outside of God's desires and and intended purpose in life, and they take those things, assuming that they're the best, and they begin to build a life based on those things. And it's after a while they find out that it will become like shifting sand. When the storms come and the trials of life come, the sand gets washed out and there's no foundation upon which they can now stand because... They've been foolish builders, not building on the source of wisdom and strength and rightness in their life. But he says there's a second builder in life who comes and builds their life upon him. They take him into their life. They take his teachings into their minds and their hearts. And they pursue a relationship with the living Christ Jesus. And in every facet of their life, They begin to be informed as to how Jesus would live their life if He were in their shoes. And they begin to make choices and to walk this life that God has laid out before them in that way. And so they become, Jesus says, like wise builders. Those who build upon something that will not be shaken. We just heard that sung by our children. Well done, by the way. Oh no, I will never be shaken. 
Will trials and difficulties and sufferings come at seasons? You bet they will. But will you have the surety and the certainty of the living God upon whom you have built your life? Yes, if you've been a wise builder and have chosen the person of Jesus and said, I want you to be the hub of my life, the the centerpiece of my life, and every spoke that comes out of the middle of who I am, whether it's a relationship or a work dealing or a financial matter, a conversation, how I'm going to deal with anything in my life will be informed and touched and will flow out of that centerpiece of Jesus in my life. That's what it means to build a life upon the rock of Jesus. You see, uh, I, along with several, uh, a few years ago, was surprised when some studies about Marin County attitudes, residents of Marin County, some at least, many, I think, and their thoughts about Christian faith and how many look at the Christian faith and what they see is something about institutional uh, religion and practice, something that's kind of a, a list of rules of things you ought not to do and certain people like pastors who kind of keep, keep track of everybody's behavior and monitors you and uh, it becomes sort of a, a life-sucking reality in life. That's what a lot of people in our county think about Christian faith. In fact, they often say that it's really not very spiritual at all. And that saddens me so deeply <laughs> because the Christian faith is moored to deep spirituality. And it's this spirituality, when it's built upon the bedrock of Jesus, it moves us toward tangible living. It's spiritual life that's deep and abiding that blends itself with the practicalities of daily living. And those two things combine for what Jesus invites us into when He describes the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here, and you're invited to live in it. And you do so when you walk every day of your life in the company of the lover of your soul, Jesus Christ. This is what the Proverbs are teaching us toward and moving us toward, is proverbial living that is grounded in spiritual context. And for us as believers in Christ, we know that it is rooted in the person of Jesus. So that's what wisdom is for. That's what the Proverbs is given to us for. So that when we hear it and interact with it, we think about the tangible realities of our living and how Jesus meets us in those. But who is it for? Who is wisdom for in the book of Proverbs? Well, in verse 5 it says... Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. You see, I want you to think for a minute, just in in the quietness of your mind, who is it who's been a spiritual mentor, Christian mentor in your life? Somebody who you would think is a wise person. You would describe them as somebody who regularly lives out of a center of wisdom. They regularly make good decisions. They regularly seek to honor and please the Lord with all of their living. And I would bet that probably every one of those people you would also describe as one who knew that they had a lot more to learn. Am I right? who had a humility about where they were in their life, about their own development in life. They had a deep awareness and a healthy sense of who they are before the Lord and what they needed to continue to grow in Him. You see, let the wise listen and add 
to their learning. You see, there's an invitation here and a reminder that we are never too spiritually mature. We are never uh, old, so old that we cannot keep on learning that we need to have an attitude that in God, I want to continue to learn and grow. You see, a wise person is able to recognize patterns in his or her life that defeat them and undermine God's work in their life. And they're willing to ask God for the strength and the wisdom for Him to come and heal and teach them a better way, a higher way, the right way with God. We also, the wise person knows that life is full of riddles and mysteries, isn't it? (laughs) There are seasons that we enter into and we kind of look around and we're like, how in the world did I get here? It may be no fault of our own or by no consequence of decisions you've made, but here you are in a particular situation of life. And it's a mystery to you. How did this befall me? Or why would God allow this to come? And where am I going to go next? And how do I make a decision now that would honor God and wouldn't make things worse or complicate them? Life is full of mystery. The wise understand and embrace that. But the wise also submit that mystery to the Lord, and in their trust of God, they move forward in spite of the mystery they may be, uh, that may be surrounding them in any season of life. You see, there's not a confidence, overconfidence in myself to be able to figure things out all the time, but my confidence is placed in God. My confidence is in God to see me through when the mysteries of life surround me. It is God It is God where I place my eyes and my hope, and I seek His counsel in the midst of things. Automaker Henry Ford once asked an electrical genius, Charlie Steinmetz, to build the generators for his factory. And one day, as generators are wont to do, they they broke down, and uh, they came grinding to a halt, and repairmen were called in, but they couldn't locate the problem. And so Henry Ford called up, Mr. Steinmetz, who came and uh, tinkered with machines just for a few hours, flipped the switch, and off whirring they go, working just like they'd never been broken before. Well, it didn't take long before uh, Henry Ford received in the mail a bill, now this was long ago, for $10,000. Well, Henry Ford was known as being a rather tight-fisted car maker. And he asked Steinmetz why the bill was so high. And you want to know Steinmetz's response? He said, well, I charged you $10 for tinkering on those generators. But for knowing where to tinker, the bill is $9,990. Boy, that's a lot of like what wisdom is for our lives. And a lot of God's wisdom in us. You see, God is the maker and creator of life. He knows just where to tinker in your life. He knows where it is where you're wounded and hurting this morning. He knows where you're frustrated and disappointed. And He wants to come and He wants to tinker and He wants to remind you with a still small whisper that you're loved. He wants to come into your pain this morning, whether it's a heartbreak or physical pain. And He wants to remind you this morning that He's there to encourage and to carry you through. He wants to come into your broken dreams today and to tinker and to remind you that He is the one who holds your dreams and that you need to submit those dreams to Him and seek His dreams for your life. He is the master tinkerer of your life. But for all of us, the question is, 
Will I allow God to come and open myself up so that He can do the work He wants to do in my life? That's what wisdom is about. The wise will seek to listen to God so that He can come and tinker in their minds so that they can begin to think about life the way God thinks about it. They can begin to see life the way God sees it. They begin to hear His voice regularly and walking with Him faithfully. God's wisdom is here for you so that God might do His work in your life. So what is wisdom for? It's to help us learn to take the spiritual life in Christ and to learn to apply it to the regularities and the daily realities of our life. Who is it for? It's for those who have a healthy sense of knowing that you just don't know everything you need to know. And how do we grow in wisdom? Well, it's keeping God at the center of everything. He is the hub of the wheel of your life. It is only by taking the first step of trusting in and reverencing the Lord Jesus that a person can enter into such wisdom, living that is right and healthy, profitable. It requires for us an unchanging point of reference. You see, that's what morality really desires and seeks after. It's not something that shifts with every new generation. It's something that's constant and consistent. That God has said as a rock that's immovable, that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the one who says, build your life upon me, and I will give you that firm foundation so that when you need to make decisions and choices in your life, it's not just based on what the current thought and philosophy in the world is, but we go first to what is the what is God described for us in His good word. How else do we grow in wisdom? We put God at the center of our lives. We also need wise people. Proverbs 13.20 says, uh, Let he who would grow wise, let he who walks with the wise, become wise. I've, I've kind of re- rewritten this, not that I'm in the habit of doing that to, to God's Word, but uh, just so that it, it, uh, maybe we hear it in a fresh way today. Wise people know it's wise to walk with wise people. Wise people know it's wise to walk with wise people. You put yourself around other people who are seeking wisdom and living wisdom out, and guess what? More often than not, is going to fall off and rub off on you. You put yourself around silly people regularly who make silly decisions, and guess what likely is going to rub off on you? Silly decisions. That's right. That's what happens. You are known by the company that you keep. We need each other. I need you. We need each other to help each other move forward in this walk with the Lord Jesus. We are starting today a new series that likely is going to take us through the rest of the summer. And thanks to my son, Owen, uh, we've titled it A Summer with Solomon. A Summer with Solomon. You see, Solomon's wisdom became known around the world. In fact, in 1 Kings, we're told that he had had written over 3,000 proverbs. He wrote songs. He studied nature. World leaders would come from all over to where Solomon was so that they could sit under his counsel and his wisdom. He was so renowned around the world. The book of Proverbs that we're going to settle into for several weeks It can be attributed, I think, largely to Solomon and things that he taught and said and wrote. Certainly there were probably other writers and certainly an editor that likely assembled all of these expressions along the way. 
But a summer with Solomon is intended, that title is intended to help us think about the one that we recognize, although he wasn't a perfect man by any means. He, he made his fair share of mistakes and blew it. So that makes me feel better. <laughs> that I'm not alone when I blow it. But we think about Solomon, and one of the first things I think about is, is a man known for his wisdom. And uh, we are going to lean into and learn what God has to say through this book. You know, what's interesting for me about Solomon was that he's not just someone known and his name is not just characterized with wisdom. But at the beginning, when he became, he was David's son, when he became king of Israel, God came to him in a worship moment and uh, asked Solomon what, what he could do for him. <laughs> wow, what would you say? If God arrived right now, spoke your name, and said, Greg, what can I do for you? Stephen, what can I do for you? What would you say? Judith, what can I do for you if God said that to you this morning? I don't know about you, but I would probably think about what my most critical current problem is. I would say, God, solve this problem. Deal with this issue that goes undealt with it seemingly right now. I would, I would think pretty small, I think. But you know what Solomon's response was? He said, God, give me a heart of discernment so that I will know how to be a leader of your people. Isn't that beautiful? I want you to think about what he's asking for that. He's not asking for personal intelligence. He's not asking for personal um, uh, riches. He's not asking for tremendous influence. What he's asking is that he might become a vessel that God would work through so that he could become the leader God would want him to become. I love that answer. It's not about accumulation of wealth or personal success, but in the spirit of Abraham, he says, God, I ask that you would bless me so that I can bless others. What a great way of thinking about wisdom for your life is not just for your personal betterment, but how is it that God wants to fill your mind and your heart with wisdom so that you then can take that wisdom and share it with other people and to live a life that honors and glorifies God? What are the Proverbs? They are rooted in ancient history family wisdom where the center of teaching was children at the home. What is Proverbs? They are enhanced by royal ruminations that, uh, upon the corporate problems of their day so that leadership qualities can be fashioned and honed. Proverbs are tethered to uh, principles straight out of the book of Deuteronomy and uh, helping root them and tie them to the religious expression of Jewish life and certainly for our Christian living today. What are the Proverbs? They highlight the differences between a life of wisdom and a life of folly. They're general statements largely. They're worded to be memorable and we'll try to discern and decipher them as we go along. And they need to be read as a collection with the other scriptures that help tether them to the broader truths in Scripture. So that's where we're headed in the next few weeks together. A summer with Solomon seeking God's wisdom in the regularities of our life so that our spiritual lives will continue to blossom as it meets always the tangible realities of living. Let's pray. God in heaven, that is our prayer, is that you would teach us in these weeks to come the areas of our lives that you want to come and touch, that you want to come perhaps and tinker in and on because you are the master of our living.
You are the one who knows far better than we do. And so we know there may be moments of resistance where we don't want to open our lives for your tinkering. But we pray that your Spirit would gently nudge us and remind us and invite us. And may we continually find your good, patient presence there calling us to yourself, whispering your wisdom into our lives so that it flows out. We don't seek mere knowledge for knowledge's sake. These are not mere uh, excursions and curiosities, but they are tangible things. We pray that this wisdom would come into our minds and our hearts and flow out of our fingertips and our toe tips and would lead every part of who we are and who we're becoming in You, Lord Jesus. May it be so, we pray, in Your name and for Your sake, to glorify You always. Amen.